Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Hebrews 11.6, it says this. It says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who, who seek Him. And so at Restoration, uh, we're, we're, we're finishing up our core value series, our foundation series. And so we, at Restoration, we hold up the core value of, of faith. We hold up the core value of spiritual faith because we believe that that spirit-initiated uh, faith is a non-negotiable uh, for someone who's following Jesus. Amen? Like it's, just, it's just not even, it's a non-negotiable. Uh, unfortunately, we, we live in a culture in which the majority of Christians make decisions just like the lost world around them. Like just like the lost world. And, that, and so that's why so often you look around at the church and it's why our, our lives and it's why uh, our, our speech and our reactions and our attitudes and our character looks just like uh, those who are still spiritually dead in their sin. In church, when we're not, when we're not driven by the faith that we, that we say uh, we have, Listen, we're going to share the same idols, and we're going to share, share the same uh, immorality, and, and we're going to share the same injustice of the culture around us. And something has to change. Something has to change. So we, we, we hold up this, this core value of, of spiritual faith, and, and, and I want to start with some questions this morning. I'm going to pray, but I want to start with some questions. Christian. What is driving the direction and decision-making of your life? I want that to sit for just, a, just a, a moment. What is driving the direction and decision-making of your life? Is it, is it the voice of culture? Uh, is, it, is it your own kind of human uh, desires and, and human discernment. Maybe, maybe you're, you're being driven by fear right now, and you, like, you know it. Maybe, maybe you're being driven by these same ideologies and, 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 and idols uh, that the culture is clinging to. Or, or Christian, does your decision-making, check this out, does it flow from your relationship with Jesus? Does your decision-making flow from your relationship with Jesus? Are your desires biblically informed uh, and and biblically shaped? Let me say that again. Are your desires biblically formed and biblically shaped? uh, And and does what you're pursuing right now reflect a mindset on Jesus' kingdom, on His coming kingdom? And so... Y'all pray with me, and then we're going to dive into Micah 6, Micah 7, and then we're going to go back into Micah 6 as well. 
Uh, God, we, we come before you, Lord, would you open our, our eyes to see you, open our hearts to respond to your word. God, get me out of the way, and I pray that we would be a people who live uh, by, by biblically informed faith, that we would live by spiritual faith. God, that, that you, you uh, that, that, that our little local church, our, our little gospel lighthouse would be known as a people of faith. And so God, even now, would you, would you speak? Would you move in our hearts? And Jesus, may we walk in faith and obedience to what you're, who you're calling us to be, what you're calling us to do. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Micah 7.7. 7. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Micah 7, 7 says this. Micah says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, and my God will hear me. So this morning, as, as we look at a life that is driven by faith, the first point that I, I, I want to make is, if, if you're following along on the screen and in your bulletin, is faith drives watching and waiting. Faith drives watching and waiting. I want you to look at your neighbor, tell them watching and waiting. All right, look at your other neighbor, tell them watching and waiting. Church, we, we, have, we have far more in common with Micah's day than we may care to realize. And, and let me say this. No, listen, America is not God's chosen nation among all the nations. We're, we're, not, we're, not a, we're not living under a theocracy. However, the same things that plagued Judah, the southern tribes of Israel, plague our country, and they don't, they don't really appear to be getting any better, Okay? And so you look around our culture, and much like Micah's day, idolatry abounds, right? There's idolatry all around us. Just like in Micah's day, like we have obliterated God's design for sex. We, we sacrifice and we discard our, our children because they're an inconvenience and an impediment. We, we ignore issues of biblical justice and we, we trample over one another with our words, with our, with our actions. And then, and then we look around and we look within ourselves and we look to our fallen leaders for all the solutions to our woes. Just like in Micah's day. And the reality is that there's not enough education, there, there's not enough money or skilled decision making in the world that will remedy our problems. But while the world's attention is the world's attention is on all the media and on the latest headlines and the latest ideology, ideologies and, and topics and fear-mongering and all, on all the, the bad news that's out there. Listen, the Christ follower's attention does not shift. Amen? Like, our, here, listen, Christian, like your attention does not, it, it's not supposed to shift. Our eyes, our eyes, your eyes are supposed to be on Jesus. Your, your focus is, is suppo- we talked about this last week, your focus is supposed to be on the Word, the unchanging Word of God. And this, way, this is why Micah, he, he starts out in verse 7, he says, but, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will look to the Lord. Look at your neighbor, tell him, look to the Lord. Now, now Micah, Micah starts off verse 7 with, with the word, but... 
And, and so you got to understand that, that that conjunction is there for a reason. Uh, but, but, but why? See, uh, up to this point, if you're rolling along in Micah 7, really all through Micah, but it builds. Uh, last week we, we said this in verse 2 and 3 of Micah 7. You're rolling along. You get to verse 2 and 3 and it says, The godly has perished from the earth. There's no one upright among mankind. They all lie in wait for blood, and each hunts the other with a net. That sounds delightful. Their, their, their hands are on what is evil. Check this out. Their hands are on what is evil. To do it well. The prince and the judge ask for a bribe, and the, the great man utters the evil desire of his soul. Thus they weave it together. See, last week we, we talked about God, how God excels at forgiveness. Like God, God's really good at mercy. But, but in Judah, like in the southern tribes, they excelled at evil. Like they were really good. Verse 3 is telling us they're really good at being awful human beings. Like that's not what you want a trophy for. And in verse 5 and 6 of Micah 7, we see that relationships were breaking down. Relationships between neighbors, relationship between friends and family members had completely broken down. And so, so you read all that, and when you get to verse 7, you, you've, got, you've got to realize, but, but not like Sir Mix-a-Lot, that this is a really big but, okay? That'll sink in later for some of you guys. Much like in Paul's day, see, in Paul, you get to Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and you got to hit, get hit with the reality of, of, of the, the negative and the sin and the brokenness, but then you get to Ephesians 2, 4, where he interjects, but God, but God, being rich in mercy, and see, Micah does the same thing here. He breaks through the doom and gloom, and he says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. David Pryor tells us this. He says, I will look to the Lord. This was Micah's regular practice. He says, in the, in the Hebrew, that verb can be translated, I keep looking. It's a repeated action. I keep looking to the Lord. And Pryor goes on, he says this, it's not something to be brought into play in emergencies. It was the tenor of his life. So Christian, are, are, you, are you an emergency Jesus watcher or a Jesus watching regular? Let me say that again. Christian, are, are, you, are you an emergency Jesus watcher? Are you a Jesus watching regular? See, listen, to, to walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5-7, means that you, you, don't, you don't just look to God when, when the adversity hits. You, you don't just look to God when you're overwhelmed or, or, or when you're exhausted or when things get get hard. It, it, it means the faith walk is a moment by moment dependence upon Jesus. Amen? It is moment by moment. John McKay, he, he reveals this. He says in the Psalms, you think about the Psalms. McKay says this, we often find an individual telling God of all that is disturbing him. And, and then from the midst of the woes, there, there, there comes a sudden switch to uh, an affirmation of faith. And he says this, faith is not concerned with constructing a logical path from present distress to the relief that is anticipated. 
McKay says, instead, it affirms the reality of God's control even over the dark circumstances that surround and trusting in him looks expectantly for his intervention. And so church fam, listen, faith, faith drives watching, but it also, but it also drives waiting. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, waiting. Faith drives waiting. How, 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 many, how many of you, show of hands, just love waiting? You just like, love it, right? I despise waiting. <laughs> um, I, I, like, listen, I, I am, I'm working on it. Uh, y'all pray for me. Uh, yeah, uh, like, I, y'all, y'all pray, pray, pray for my heart. See, when, when Luke, when Luke was in, was in uh, fourth grade, uh, I, I would uh, I would carpool in the mornings. I would drive Luke and his buddy Carson to uh, uh, to school every morning, and, and inevitably I, I got I got the light system down. Right, I got the light at the at the corner of 29th and Carter Creek. I, I got that light system down, and, and so if the light turned red as we were approaching it, uh, like a like a stealthy ninja. I would finagle my way through the Pride Cleaners parking lot uh, and then hang a left on 29th and a quick ride on Carter Creek uh, to, to shave uh, 27 seconds off of, that's right, uh, to, to shave 27 seconds off of our drive time. <laughs> One day, uh, Steph, uh, I was tied up, so Steph was taking the boys to, uh, to school and made the monumental error of actually stopping at the stoplight. And, and Luke quickly rebuked her. <laughs> and then sold me out. Yeah, you did. Uh, sold me out by, by explaining my, informing her of my tactics. Okay? Uh, I, like, I hate waiting. Y'all pray for me. Pray for me. Listen, we, like, we are a people of action. Like we, like we do not like to wait. We, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can, we can problem solve our way through anything until it's obvious that we can't. Until it's obvious that we can't. And when, when the culture is in decay... And when we've abandoned God and, and the Word of God, and when people are angsty and angry about everything, everything, and when the depression uh, and the despair are mounting, and, and when friendships and when families are coming undone, it, it may be time to get still and to wait for God, to watch for God. Amen? See, it may be, may be time to, to watch and to wait for God. Waiting itself is, is an expression of dependence. Waiting itself is, is an expression of, de, of dependence. It's, a, it's a, a recognition that you can't solve the problem. That's why, it's why Psalm 135, 130 verse 5 tells us, I wait for the Lord. My, my soul waits, and in His Word, in the Word of God, I hope. And so Christian, here's, here's the thing, if you're not, Christian, if you're not looking expectantly for God's presence and for God's provision and for God's power in every situation, you're probably relying on your own strength. You're probably relying on your own strength. If you're not, if you're not willing to wait, 
You, you, you'll probably keep settling for the low-hanging fruit of man-made solutions, but that's why you're not experiencing the supernatural in your life. That's why, that's why you're, you're looking around going, man, I just don't sense the presence of God. It's because you're not willing to wait on the Lord. See, faith drives watching and waiting. Second thing this morning. As you look at the second half of verse 7, we see that faith, faith drives prayer. Amen? Faith drives prayer. I want you to look at your neighbor, neighbor and tell him, faith drives prayer. Look at your other neighbor, tell him, faith drives prayer. Faith drives prayer. Micah, see, at, at the conclusion of verse 7, Micah makes a statement, God, my God will hear me. And, and the, the implication is that Micah was a man of prayer. He, he saw through the noise, he saw through the nonsense of a, of a depraved culture, and he recognized that without God's intervention, man, Israel was sunk. He, he knew that there was no hope for Israel unless God intervened. And that's why as things went from bad to worse in Judah, Micah, Micah wasn't one-dimensional. He wasn't just a justice warrior. He was also a prayer warrior. Amen? He was a prayer warrior. Richard Phillips says this. He says, like, think about Elijah. Like Elijah... In his despair in the days of Ahab and Jezebel, Micah will draw near to the Lord. He'll lift up his heart in fervent prayer. And while he waits for God's answer, he knows that God hears and that God's salvation is drawing near. And Richard Phillips goes on, he says this, Revival always begins with a renewed commitment to prayer. Revival always begins with a renewed commitment to prayer. Indeed, when the Lord opens our hearts anew to prayer, the first sign of revival is at hand. This last week, I, I, I was going through, back through the, the book, the, the, the Kneeling Christian. And uh, if you've never read that book, you need to get a copy. But the unknown, there's a, it's an unknown author uh, who published it anonymously. And, and, and the author tells us, this about prayer. He says, do we, he or she, do we realize that there is nothing the devil dreads so much as prayer? His great concern is to keep us from praying. The devil's great concern is to keep you, Christian, from praying. And the author goes on, he loves to see us up to our eyes and work, provided we do not pray. He does not fear because we are eager and earnest Bible students, provided we are little in prayer. I read, I read a story from, from years ago from the publication Today in the Word, and, and the story went like this. It said that early African converts to Christianity were earnest and devoted and regular in their, their private prayer life and their private devotions. It says each one re, re, uh, reportedly had a, a separate spot in the thicket where he or she would pour out his heart to God. And over time, the paths to these places became well-worn. And as, as a result, if, if one of the believers, if one of the African believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. And they would kindly remind the negligent one, brother, sister, the grass grows on your path. Christian, does the, does the grass grow on your path or is it worn out from your knees hitting the ground? 
Does the grass grow on your path or is it worn out from your knees hitting the ground? See, we cannot settle for a norm of prayerlessness, church. We can't settle for that. Church, our, our lack of prayer exposes our lack of, of biblical faith. We, we don't pray because we've, we've reduced our relationship uh, to this like one-way one monologue instead of a two-way two dialogue with God. Like, so so we, we receive the Word uh, through, through being in the Scriptures. We're in community, uh, and, and we, uh, we, we, we receive the Word. We, we hear God's voice through the Word and through uh, our, our circumstances and through community, but then we don't raise up our voice. We don't cry out to God and, and try to align our hurts in our heart and our hopes with His will. Christian, is, is your faith driving fervent, Christ-centered prayer? In keeping, keeping with the, the vehicle theme, Corey Ten Boom, I, I love it. She, she once asked this, is your prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? <laughs> Let me say that again. Corey Ten Boom said, is prayer your, your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? See, don't, don't wait for emergency to reach for prayer. Let, let prayer guide and direct your everyday desires and decision making. Amen? Amen? Third thing this morning. We're going to go back into Micah 6. Third thing is this. Faith, faith drives remembrance of redemption. Amen? Faith drives remembrance of redemption. I want you to look at your neighbor, tell him remembrance of redemption. Look at your other neighbor, tell him remembrance of redemption. So, so we're going to go back and look at Micah 6, 3 and 4. And this is God addressing Israel, addressing Judah. Oh, my people, what, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you, burdened you? Answer me, for I, I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Faith drives remembrance of redemption. See, earlier in chapter 6, we, 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 see, we see here in verse 3 and 4 the, the shepherd heart of God. He's pleading with his people because apparently Israel, the southern tribes of Israel, Judah had grown weary of being in a relationship with God. They'd grown weary of being in a covenant with God. They saw the, 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 the righteous demands of the law as, as burdensome. Like, oh, man, what a drag that we have to follow God. That, but that, that's why their, their idolatry and their immorality and, and their injustice was out of control. But, but so as things began to get, go from bad to worse in culture, instead of realizing, oh, maybe we're going through hard things because we need to repent of all this rebellion, they turned it around and they pointed the finger back to God. They pointed the finger at God. Thomas Constable, he tells us this, the Lord called the Israelites his people to testify how he had caused them to be so weary of him that they ceased to obey him. And Constable goes on, he says, his rhetorical questions are, they're not, you can, they're, they're unanswerable. They're unanswerable. He had given them no reason to be dissatisfied with him. Instead of wronging them, the Lord had done nothing but good for them. Instead of letting them down, uh, the Lord had lifted them up. He had brought them out of Egyptian bondage into the promised land. But listen, church, God's people had forgotten. 
They, they had completely forgotten God's call and His covenant. Listen, it, it, it made no impact on their daily lives. Like it, it, made, it made no impact, no noticeable impact. And, and I, love, I love how David Pryor puts it. He says this, God had always found it easier to get His people out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of His people. Wow. He goes on, he says, the words I redeemed you were wonderful, but now it looked as though they had become a memory and not a motivation. So what does this, what does this have to do with you, Christian? What does this have to do with us? Everything. Everything. See, when it, when it comes to faith, Christians, listen, we, we look both forward and backward. We, you, you trust God through the windshield of, of prophecy and promises in regard to the future. Amen? You trust God, you trust the Word, but then you trust God also through the rear view of His past provision and promises where He's come through, amen? And that's what, listen, that's what, that's what safeguards us from the noise of culture. It's what safeguards us from the discouragement and the despair and the hopelessness around us. Christian, this is, this is why you daily have got to preach the gospel to yourself, Amen? That you got to daily preach the gospel to yourself because the gospel, it's not just what saves the lost, it's what sustains Christians every moment. You preach the gospel to your own heart because it's not, it's not just what saves the lost, it's what sustains you every day, Christ follower. You, you, you remember, you remember your, your bondage to sin and the brokenness and the despair. Not, not so you can just camp out in that and feel awful, but you remember it so that you can praise Jesus for the cross. You can praise God that, that He sent His Son because He loved you so much that He would bear the penalty of your sin and He would take all of it, all of the junk and all of the brokenness on Himself. And you, you remember, so you praise, you can praise Jesus for His resurrection that instead of just sitting and, and kind of being stuck in sin, man, Jesus has provided the victory. Christ has gone before you. He's defeated and conquered sin and death. So you remember, faith has got to drive that remembrance of redemption. Amen? Amen. Once you look at your neighbor, tell him, remember your redemption. Look at your other neighbor, tell him, remember your redemption. <clears throat> our, our boys, they've, they've, gotten, they've gotten so much better. But when the Brooks boys, when they... Uh, when, when they, I'm talking about you, when they first switched over, when they first switched over to their new school uh, a few years ago, inevitably, in, in the morning hustle uh, between grabbing computers and lunch boxes and backpacks and water bottles and all the gear, uh, inevitably, something like every other day was going to get forgotten. They've gotten better. And, and without fail, we would roll into driveline, and I would look back, and one of the boys would have this like forlorn, like exasperated look on their face, and it's like, ah, I, I forgot my Chromebook, or, or like, I, I forgot, I forgot my lunchbox, which would, which would often result in two things. <clears throat> one, um, a, a super thoughtful, gracious remark uh, from yours truly, uh, pointing out their utter failure. Um, to grab one of the four things that they need literally every day. Um, 
And two, it would, it would result, uh, it would necessitate in a second trip, usually taken by mom, to retrieve uh, said item. And of course, through it all, I was the picture of just graciousness, uh, uh, godly uh, patience. Um, no. But as a parent, I, think about this. If you would dial in to those, those little spiritual lessons that God is constantly trying to teach you, parents, you would realize in those moments that you're getting a glimpse of your own spiritual forgetfulness when it comes to your Heavenly Father. That's me. That's me. That's you. But here's the good news. God knows that His children are forgetful. Right? <laughs> Praise God. Like, he's actually made provision for this. This is why everywhere Israel went, they, they set up rocks of remembrance. They set up those Ebenezer stones so they could remember. Oh, man, remember when God came through over here. This is why they had the Passover. Oh, my gosh, remember when the blood covered us and we didn't have to die. Uh, this is why they did the Jewish festivals and the feasts. So they, because... Despite God's constant faithfulness, in a second and a half, Israel would forget. Church, this is why we keep uh, gospel pictures in front of us all the time. This is, this is why every, every baptism, last Sunday, praise God, we baptized 10 people, right? This is why every baptism is not only a picture of Jesus Christ crucified and raised, it's also a picture of our old life that was dead in sin and now our new life in Christ, Amen. Like this, is, this, is why, this is why we regularly take communion. Because listen, when that, when that bread and that juice hits your lips, man, know this. You're tasting forgiveness. Like I know that wafer is pretty, it's not great. But, but you're tasting forgiveness. Like you're, you're drinking anew the mercy of God. Amen? We're reminding ourselves of our redemption. We're reminding ourselves of the Savior's love that He sacrificed Himself for you, for me, for all of us. And so, Christian, like, what, what are you doing to remember? Like, I, listen, I, do, do, you, do you journal? Like when, uh, do, you, do you write down, do you jot down the, the, the scripture that has impacted your life in, in, in a hard season? Do you, do you jot down, do you jot down the date when God just shows off and he comes through? Right? I, I don't know what it needs to look like for you, but listen, what I'm telling you is you've got to remember. You've got to remember because like Israel, we, we all too easily forget. And faith drives remembrance of redemption. Amen? Close, close with this, and then, and then we're done. Not too long ago, uh, the, the fam, the, the big boys, not uh, Ruthie and Ben were not a part of this movie experience, but we went back and we, we, we watched the first uh, Back to the Future. Um, one of my all-time faves. How, how many have seen the original, the OG, Back to the Future? Okay, awesome. Uh, we went back and, and, and watched it. Needless to say, there was, there was some conviction as my, my 10-year-old uh, did uh, re rebuke me for, for forgetting how much language there was. <laughs> it's like, Dad, 
Titus, I repent. Um, <laughs> but as the movie starts, as you're watching Back to the Future, the the only fuel that the DeLorean time machine will, will take at the beginning of the movie is like this like high-grade uh, plutonium, right? Which actually gets Doc in some trouble with the terrorist group. Um, but by the end of the movie, somehow Doc has reconfigured the time machine, the DeLorean, where it'll run on, on any kind of fuel. And in fact, at the end of the movie, the very end of the first Back to the Future, he, he opens a trash can. He grabs garbage. He, he grabs like a, a, a Miller Lite can and he pours it in the fuel. And, and voila, right? Like the, 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 the time machine, they're, they're, they're ready for time travel, right? literally just grabs some garbage and drops it in the fuel tank and it's ready to go. And it got me thinking like, man, that, that's, that's great for back to the future. That's great for back to the future. But listen, Christian, you, listen, you, you can try to fuel your life with the garbage of this world, but you will not get anywhere. And you will not advance the kingdom of God. Because your life, by God's design, must be fueled and driven by faith. By God's design, Christian, your, your life must be fueled and driven by faith. Galatians 3.3, Paul said, the righteous shall live by faith. In church, church, our, our faith has a, has a person the person of Jesus Christ, amen? That's why Hebrews 12, 2 says that we look to Jesus, the, the perfect righteous one, the founder and perfecter of your faith and my faith, who Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, amen? That's where our hope is. So the question, the question is just this. Is your life, no, listen, is your life driven by faith? Y'all pray with me this morning.